What's up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks. It is a sweet 16 edition of Club Red this week. It's week 76 of doing this, and we are excited to bring you uh, all the good stuff from Texas Tech's opening weekend in the tournament. But before we get to that, make sure you are following us on Apple and Spotify. Give us those five-star ratings, please. And if you listen to us on Apple, hit us with a review as well. We would greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at Telgate underscore talks. And you can follow our personal accounts at Dustin uh, at Dustin Wimmer 22 and myself at Calvin B. Barrett. Uh, we can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is where we do our live streams every time we record and we post some uh, Instagram videos from time to time. You can also follow our YouTube channel where we post uh, short clips from Club Red uh, for you to get bite-sized portions of our episodes. And you can email us at tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. Let's get into this week's Club Red. We're going to start this thing off right. Raider! 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 Man, I've been waiting all my life to do this. All right, Dustin, we had quite a weekend, Texas Tech, moving on to the Sweet 16. Like mentioned before, it was a fun one. March Madness is back. Hours and hours and hours of basketball uh, down the drain. Not much movement on my part for this weekend, but ultimately, a really good weekend. How you feeling right now, man? Great. That was a good weekend of games. Glad we are one of the 16 that advance and get to play another weekend. Yes, exactly. Friday, the nerves were kind of set again before that first round matchup against Montana State. And then Texas Tech comes in and absolutely dominates, defeating Montana State 97 to 62. Dustin, how are you feeling after that pretty incredible first round performance? Yeah, that felt a lot like the Iowa State Big 12 game. Yeah. It was very relaxing. Obviously, we put up more points than like ever this season. It looked like everybody was clicking. I mean, our three-point percentage was like 12 or 20. We never shoot that good. We shot 67%. I felt bad for Montana State, honestly, that – you know, they go win their conference and then they get matched up with a team like us with the number one defense in the country. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, those poor guys. <laughs> yeah, you get matched up with that defense and you're expecting that, but then you don't expect the 97 points coming from no. the offense either. We've we talked about it multiple times this season, but what would it look like if everybody was on their game at the same time? And that's like the first real – Time that everybody was clicking at the same time. You had Bryson Williams drop 20, TJ dropped 20. Uh, all your starters were in double digits. And then yep. uh, uh, Davion Warren off the bench was in double digits. So it was just one of those incredible games. Agbo and, uh, tried to get you to 100 in the last couple minutes. Yeah, Agbo was showing off for all his family back home. He came yep. in and we always joke about how he always has the green light. He's always ready to shoot. And this time it was falling for him. That was pretty yep. fun to watch. 
And then it was punctuated by Malik Wilson's oh. unfortunate travel, but a sick ass 360 dunk. Did that get you out of your seat or what? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. It was a really fun first round game. Like Dustin said, it's always nice to not have to be stressed during a game. And that game was stress-free pretty much from tip off till the end, which was nice. But that leads us into our second round game, which was, Pretty much the opposite of that first round game, stress wise and and playing wise. Dustin, just like your first reactions, like where were you at? Where were you watching the game? Where was your head at kind of before tip off? Were you confident? Were you nervous? How are you feeling going into this one? Yeah, this one I was just at home for to watch, but I felt confident going into it, especially with, you know, Big 12 tournament went well, our first game and San Diego went well. Notre Dame's coming off, you know, opening uh, first four game and then opening round overtime game. Like, they played a lot of basketball, and this is, like, three games in, like, four days or something, five days, something like that. Like, that's a lot. Like, we went through a stretch like that earlier this year, and it affected us in the third game and didn't seem to affect them once we got the ball tipped off, really. Yeah, I was at home, too, you know, trying to move in the girlfriend. So pretty busy with that. So it wasn't able to make it to Lubbock to watch like I normally would. So just watch it at home. But like you, I was feeling pretty confident that first game felt really good. I didn't think our offense was going to be able to match that, but I thought we could maybe have something close considering Notre Dame wasn't anywhere near the level of defense that we played. Right. And so my confidence in our defense was obviously there. And then I thought we could maybe kind of have an average offensive performance, but Ultimately, you didn't, but you did survive. You were the definition of surviving and advancing. That's what that game was. If you look it up online, our highlights for this game should be the first thing that pops up. Uh, You defeat Notre Dame, the 11th seed, 59-53. It was not pretty. Not pretty pretty much from the start in the first half. When We'll we'll just kind of walk you all through this game and our thoughts kind of Uh, from different points in the game as we get through what was a pretty stressful Sunday night for all of us. Um, But first half wise, Dustin, it was, it it was sloppy. We were kind of in the lead. It felt comfortable. Notre, you know, every time we would get up maybe five, six, Notre Dame would hit a three to kind of stay in it, but it felt like you were in control. You go to half up by one. We talked about how you're feeling before the game. Usually we talk about if we're, you know, leading or kind of right there within punching distance, we feel pretty good about ourselves at halftime. What were you thinking uh, at halftime of this game? Yeah, I felt fun at halftime. I thought the first, I don't know, four or five minutes, defense was kind of slow, and then we really amped it up, put the lockdown on them and got a good lead, let them stay in it. The end of the second half, we were in pretty good control. So I felt really good. Yeah, they scored a couple right in the last minute or so to get it within one. But I felt better than a one-point halftime, you know, going into that. I felt better than that, even though it was only 26 points. Me too. It was kind of one of those things where I thought we were pretty in control and then going into the locker room, we would make the adjustments necessary to, you know, go on and, and handle Notre Dame in the second half. And maybe that their legs would get tired. This was their third game in five days and thought all of that would come to fruition there. But ultimately 
you weren't ever really able to gain control of this game. Notre Dame comes out in the second half and, you know, probably the first 10 minutes of the second half went about like the first half did. You know, yeah. you, you, you'd get the four-point lead, Notre Dame would claw back. You get a six-point lead, Notre Dame would claw back. And, you know, kind of one of the focal points of this game that I want to discuss with you, the offense was just never able to get it going. You had multiple opportunities to try to push the lead, attack on them. But Notre Dame's soft-ass zone defense really threw you for a loop. What did you think about this this zone that they threw and our inability to really attack it and do anything against what was really a pretty pathetic zone defense, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the point is we've seen zone defense hurt us pretty bad a lot this year. And I'm surprised more teams don't try it probably because, you know, it's just not in what they practice. So they don't know what they're doing, but yeah, the fact that it was a pretty soft zone, like the middle was huge. And we have a handful of guys that could handle that middle spot. Yeah. The couple times that we did cut, you know, Kevin McCullough through the middle and let him point guard from inside the paint, like, and shoot it. Like, it was pretty nice, but we couldn't handle that. And that should also lead to more rebounding opportunities, which we were bigger than they were, bigger, taller, all those good things, more physical and the rebounding numbers, I mean, are only plus six. And that's a win for Notre Dame in that fact. So, like, the fact that you couldn't penetrate that soft-ass zone and or turn it into offensive rebounds and extra buckets, really, like, you didn't, you didn't really gain anything from it as much as you should have, I think. Yeah, Kevin O'Banner was really the only beneficiary of that zone because I, I thought, you know, and we'll get into him a little bit later. He was the only one that was kind of in there battling and getting rebounds. But, you know, this zone was – and we'll probably mention it m- multiple times here, but it, it was the softest zone I think I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, I was talking with a friend after this, and I, w- I-, I told him I thought they were running that zone to save their legs. You know, not have to move so much. This is their third game. They're trying to conserve energy on that end to save it for offense. And we were just playing into their damn hands. We weren't attacking it. We didn't put any of the four or five guys who were capable of running an offense from that middle of that zone that had a hole as open as the state of Texas was in there. Um, You know, McCuller, Bryson, O'Banner, Adonis, TJ, all those guys could work very well in that zone. But instead, we run that stupid weave on the outside. You have to settle for you have to settle for. They just watch. They're Uh, they're just they're like, great. We don't have to move at all. And it was just really pathetic to me to watch that. Like you had them on the ropes. You could have just drove and attacked them wore them out, but you decided not to, you didn't push it. You didn't really decide to take them out of that zone. You, you let them hang around in there, uh, conserve that energy, play it on offense. And so it was just baffling to me to watch this team uh, struggle with that zone. And I can only imagine what Duke is doing right now this week in preparation is, Hey, let's just do a soft ass zone and maybe (laughs) they'll just try to three man weave it. I don't really know, but Another thing I kind of wanted to talk about here was the energy in the game. I didn't necessarily feel like this team was playing like this was their last game. I thought they were playing like it was a Saturday game in Manhattan and you got a game at home on Tuesday to look forward to. I didn't really feel the energy, the um, desire to win that game really until the 
into the game. Were you, were you feeling that? I felt kind of Notre Dame wanted it more. Um, and I hate to say that, but it really did feel like that for a while. I didn't feel that in the moment, but now that you say that, I could, I could see that for sure. Like I said, I texted you first four minutes of the game, and I'm like, our defense is slow. Like, we're not rotating. Our hands aren't really up. They got it together after that. But, I mean, that fell apart at some point later on, too. I mean, easy layups and three-pointers quite a bit in this game. Yeah, and there's one play that kind of I, I pointed to and it was something me and my dad talked about after the game. You know, it all feels better now that we won, but there's that possession. It's the one everybody will remember it because John Higgins blew the play dead because the shot clock uh, didn't reset. But on that play, it was just a rebound, and you had four guys going for the ball, yet the one Notre Dame guy over there got the ball. It just felt like they were kind of willing themselves to win, and you didn't really want to do anything about it. And so, you know, Notre Dame grabs the lead with about nine minutes left. And then from that point on, it's a little back and forth. You get a lead here. They get the lead back. And they have a three-point lead with two minutes left. Where's your head at there? Down three with two minutes left. Knowing some of the games that this team's played throughout this season, where was your confidence at? Did you think we could pull this one off? Or were you kind of prepping for what could be the end of the season? No, I had kind of lost faith and I don't know if it was the energy or all the missed shots and they were making threes, but Notre Dame from like the six, seven minute mark on, like took over the control of this game, like took the momentum, all that energy, everything. I mean, I think the last bucket we made was at the seven minute mark or something like field goal wise. And they just took over from there. But I, I just didn't feel like there was enough time for us to like change that momentum and bounce back and make enough plays and shots is more of the key that I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like, and they had like a, what do you say? Like a five, six point lead somewhere in there. Like time was winding down fast on us. I didn't, I didn't think we, we could pull it off. Yeah, I was with you. I was already prepping for the end of the season. Uh, I was getting myself kind of ready. What was going to be a shitty feeling? Like, yeah. You don't want to lose this game this way. There's not really a right way to go out of the tournament, but if you're going to lose, you want to lose to a team that played better than you, uh, like was better than you and just played a better game than you. You don't want to lose to a team that you're clearly better than. You just played god-awful basketball and kind of let them win. And that's kind of what I was prepping for. I was like, man, this is going to be a sour taste at the end of it. What was a great and fun season. But then all yeah. of a sudden, two minutes, a little less than two minutes on the clock, and the tide kind of shifts. You get to the free throw line. Adonis makes two free throws. And then kind of what's going to be one of the plays of the game by one of the players of the game is you get a you know, missed shot from Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner, as mentioned before, battled got a rebound got fouled goes to the free throw line and gets you the two free throws to put you up and so let's just kind of talk about Kevin O'Banner while we're Ooh, here because man. this is one of those wins that you look back and there's not really many plays that you're going to remember and you know free throws isn't super memorable but the way to battle and get that offensive rebound what did you think about that play at that time from him and then just kind of what he did that whole game 15 points 15 rebounds and that was one of those like the ball just bounced your way. Like he should yeah. not have gotten that ball. Cause I there even was, texted you guys and I was like, how did, 
he get the ball? I think there was two guys right next to him, and it just kind of like slipped in between them or something, or hit the guy enough to make him bobble it right to O'Banner. And then he just went up. He was just, I'm going up. He yeah, instantly grabbed it and went up and knew he was going to get fouled. Yeah, that was turning point. But that's think about that's what he's been doing all year to get himself going when he can't shoot. I mean, he had seven offensive rebounds and eight defenses. That's massive. Like to get himself to the free throw line and get an easy bucket, easy two buckets there. Like, huge game changer. This play kind of summarizes his season for me, yeah. For tech, right? You didn't, you came in and you were thinking you were going to get a lethal shooter from outside, and you know, he hasn't really been that for you. There's definitely times where he has been this season, but you know, I kind of remember him more for the games where he battled got you crazy offensive rebounds took it up strong played an inside game and so for me this play just kind of summarizes what he's been for you this season is sure the threes weren't falling but hey I'll get an offensive rebound here and a putback and and you know ends up being one of the biggest plays of the season yep and so that leads to another guy who I think the next play kind of summarizes his whole entire season for you as well that's that following possession you're up by one you need to stop Coach Adams had taken Bryson Williams out of the game because he was getting cooked on those uh, switches. And so he puts Marcus Santos Silva in there and Marcus Santos Silva gets the block, gets the rebound, gets fouled, and then drains two free throws with his right hand. And yeah, Dustin, talk about this moment. And for a player that had been a starter his whole career, takes a step back, figures out what he needs to do to be a, a contributor on this team. And ultimately his defense is what helps propel you to victory. Talk about what that means for him and, and this whole fan base really. Yeah. That three play stretch. Cause he also got another block the next yeah. play after that. So literally three play stretch of huge block. He got up early on that guy to get a nice tip before he could get extended and that's what people didn't see live when they showed their replay. It was amazing timing to get over the top and get the ball before it gets up. And there's only arms and hands in the way to foul. And then a 46% free throw shooter goes to the line. Uh, I was not feeling great, but yeah. thank God he made two of the best free throws of his life. And then comes down and gets another huge block for us. I wrote it down that, that's a career-defining stretch of plays for him because he's he's not a guy that's going to go much further professional basketball, like unless he goes overseas or something small. Like That's amazing for him in one of his last games to come in and be the star in a stretch of three plays like that, especially, yeah. like you said, for a guy who's changed and adapted his game, you know, similar to what Odiase had to do at one point here. Um, he comes in and – becomes a almost a staple of you know the Texas Tech transfer group now with that kind of play in the tournament. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, when you look back on this game, you're going to look back and you're going to think about Marcus Santos Silva's plays and sure like, you know, he doesn't get as many minutes as he's used to or score as many points as he's used to, but those three plays in the biggest game of your whole entire season and career to come in and do that uh, is just impressive. And it couldn't happen to like a better guy, right. you know, just, just everything you hear about him, a great teammate, everybody loves him. You see the, 
love that the players have for him on social media after just a really cool moment. Really cool to see that. And then, you know, from there you go on that 10, one run, you end up winning the game. You get some more stops, more free throws, you get the breakaway dunk and ultimately end up winning, you know, by six points, but it was not easy. It was definitely stressful. So just to kind of put a bow on it, Dustin, what were your thoughts once that game completed, once we had the win and kind of looking back on it now? Oh, that was a big relief to finally have that game be over because of how stressful the ending was. I can't believe free throws saved us. Yeah. It started off – Oh, we started off like 0-3 or something like that. Yeah, and then we made eight straight down the stretch when previously we were – on a 10 field goal list streak. Yeah. Free throw saved us and defense saved us like usual. So relieved is the word for that game. Definitely. I, it was stressful. I was glad it was over. It's not a game that I want to go back and watch or relive. Uh, I just kind of want to burn it kind of like that. OU game in the big 12 tournament. Don't really want to think about it. Just kind of move on. But, you know, it, it was a grinded out game and, and you're just happy that you were able to figure out a way uh, to win it. It might have not been the most conventional way of doing it, but this just kind of shows the fight this team has is even when you think they're backed into a corner. Don't see that energy. You're waiting for them to be like, hey, it's this it's all or nothing right now. And then they finally kind of do it. And so. You're marching on to the Sweet 16 for just the sixth time in program history. Your third time in the last four years, you're one of only a handful of programs to be able to claim that. You can make your third Elite Eight here if you get this win. But first off, you got to go through the greatest coach in men's basketball history. That's Coach K, Coach Krzyzewski of Duke and the Blue Devils, who were able to uh, you know, beat 15-seed Cal State Fullerton and hold off Michigan State in that yeah. second round. It looked like for a second you were going to get Izzo again. Looked like Izzo was going to spoil a potential Tech versus Duke matchup in the tournament. But you get one of the ultimate blue bloods in the Sweet 16 on Thursday night. Dustin, your first thoughts, man. Your first thoughts on this matchup. These are kind of the games in the tournament that you look forward to, right? Going up against those perennial powerhouses and you have a chance here now on Thursday. Yeah, it's. I wish we could have got Michigan State just for the easier matchup, but of course, as we'll talk later, our bracket is of course chalk one, two, three, four. Natural. We couldn't get a break again. You know, we got our first one this time around and almost messed it up. But I mean, Coach K got his one thousand two hundredth victory of all time and ninety ninth tournament win. And I hope that's all he gets. I hope yeah. he ends his career um, in San Francisco Thursday night. Um, but obviously with the athletes they have, we'll, we'll get into their roster in a minute. That's going to be a very tough task. Um, and also, this is a late-ass game. <laughs> 845, hopefully, if the game before us doesn't go to something stupid. Yeah, yeah, seeing the time of ours, I, I kind of figured we were going to be the late one since it is Coach K, and you kind of want to get him, you know, in the prime time yeah. hours of the night. So uh, <laughs> that's when our matchup falls. So, you, you know, maybe have to take a, 
little time off in the following Friday morning. Most Tech fans do, but it's exciting, man. It's exciting to see your name matched up there with Duke in the tournament in the Sweet 16. Uh, It's something that, you know, years and years ago seemed impossible. And, of course, you know, you played Duke in the regular season, so it's not like it's your first time playing them or anything like that. But with the stakes that you have in this game, it's Mark Adams versus Coach K. It's old versus young. It's blue blood versus new blood. It's all these kind of storylines. And so I'm just really excited for this opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's a big one for this team. I expect us to get up for this matchup. But, you know, there's definitely that we play up to our opponents and kind of down to some of them. Um, I think the pressure is obviously on Duke, right? Like these players, they got to keep Coach K's legacy going. They got to get him that 100th win. So I think you can come in here a little more relaxed, play a little looser. uh, You know, I think we play so much better when we play loose, and we were definitely uptight in that Notre Dame game. So, you know, I kind of expect us to come in and and just kind of let it loose, right? I hope so. So let's take a look at Duke. Dustin, the kind of Duke fan from afar. What have you got for us on Duke? Do you have any information that you're interested in in about this team or uh, players to watch for? What are you looking at with them right now? Yeah, team-wise, we are the complete opposite of Duke. You know, we're the gritty, grinded-out, low-scoring defensive team. We don't have the five-stars athletes that Duke has. We're not flashy. Like, none of that good stuff. Duke is a scoring team and – you know, they get all the prime time games and all the five star recruits and they they live up to it a lot of the times and they have pretty much this season. I mean, first in the ACC this year, Paolo Banchero is gonna be very good. One of their guards, guard forward that does everything for them. I mean, he averages just under twenty points a, a game, which I kinda compare playing him to, you know, playing Obaji a few times this year so I think that helps us that we've played a guy of his caliber um, yeah three different times this year so we're not gonna be like stunned by his athleticism scoring and ball handling that he's really good at so there's like a little team thing for you the other guy that kind of worries me is their big man I think it's Mark Williams inside the games I've watched them this year he's pretty dominant in there like just taking up space and getting rebounds and putbacks yeah they don't necessarily like run things through him but he's just there and really good at being there so we're gonna have to move his ass out of there and get rebounds and make sure he doesn't get them second chances i think is a big key for us but if you look you have a lot of guys listed on here for us um they can spread it out too Um, yeah multiple guys in double figures um, similar to what we can do, but they're more on the athlete side of that thing <laughs> rather than we just kind of figure it out, <laughs> I guess. Um, so it's, can we contain Paolo, keep Williams off the boards and then don't let anybody else like go off is kind of, I think your recipe for success here. Yeah, they got a lot of guys who can hit shots on you, and you did a good job of pointing out Paolo, who's going to be a you know top five pick oh, in the he, NBA oh, yeah. most likely. <laughs> Their big guy, Mark Williams, but you know some of the other guys, they they they're just quick, and I think that's kind of what makes me nervous. I was watching that uh, their little point guard Jeremy Roach against Michigan oh, State, yeah. and. 
he was just able to get to kind of everywhere he wants to on the court. And so that kind of makes me nervous with our switching and stuff, you know, and I'm imagining Coach K Quick watching guards that. guards have given us problems this mm-hmm. year. And imagining Coach K is watching that Notre Dame film and watching them switch on to Bryson and attacking that mismatch there. So I kind of expect, you know, them to do that with these quick guards that they have. They got five guys who average double figures, you know, so they're going to be a difficult team to match up offensively. That's, you know, that's kind of the ACC's stronghold, right? They're right. a bunch of good offenses, but they lack on the defensive side of the floor. Very so much. that's kind of where I see your advantage here is you're not playing a really tough defense. Can you take advantage of that this time? And unlike the Notre Dame game where you just kind of sit back, relax and not attack them, can you attack them? Because they're not very good in transition, which is, I think, going to be a a key part of this game can you get out when you have transition opportunities get open looks get to the basket uh can you take mark williams out of the post can you make him you know have to guard bryson williams and kevin o'banners and those types and kind of create some space down low for you and so i think you're definitely going to have to win this with a much better offensive approach but you know defensively i'll be curious to see you know what coach k kind of does to try to attack us uh, on that end of the floor, I'm imagining it'll be very similar to kind of what Notre Dame did, which is a lot of driving kicks and try to get guys open looks from three. And, you know, you've, you're going to have to lock that up and, oh, yeah. and make them try to beat you inside, which no team has really been able to do this year. So any other keys that you're seeing to, to beating the Blue Devils on Thursday night? There was another guy I watched. I'm trying to find him. Um, he looks like the oldest player on their team. Oh, Thank you. well, he's actually a senior. Theo John, 6'9". He's got beards, kind of a Kevin O'Banner type haircut almost, a little longer. But, man, he's a he's a man in there. So he's also a problem inside. So, like, I think rebounding is going to be a big key for us against him. So, yeah, the, the contrast of matchups is, is what's very intriguing. So that'll be fun to see who can pull it off, the offense or the defense. Um and whose weakness might be able to pull on right. that side of it, you know? Yeah, so is there anything that makes you nervous for this game on our side of the ball? Are you nervous about oh, our yeah. offense? What are you nervous about on our offense? Uh, do you think that we're going to be able to have more of a – not saying we're going to go score 97 points, but are no. we going to be more on the Montana State end of the pendulum or are we going to be more on the Notre Dame end of the pendulum where it's hard to get a bucket? Well, you, you kind of hinted at it. Well – the better games that we are offensively is when we are driving and attacking like TJ, especially he's yeah. better off driving and attacking. Um, and then a couple guys sit out and can hit threes. TJ being one of them, Mo Banner uh, being one of them, but like Davion's one of the best attacking guards, you know, left in this yeah. tournament. He has a chance to show that off. But like when we settle for shots is when we've really struggled offensively so we can't let duke like sink back on us and tempt us into yeah you know mediocre shots uh, that we oh i might be able to get this off and then we're actually shooting bad shots and missing a lot so like attack and get really good shots or get to the free throw line i think a lot of your some of your struggles in that notre dame game was you weren't really finishing around the rim and so maybe oh. that kind of scared us off from trying you know, to, to attack the basket because we yeah. just couldn't get anything to that drop. Was, that, like, fell right into that uh, graphic I showed you that yeah. we're, we're, good at, we're really good at getting good shots, but we're average at making them. 
which is not a good place to be. <laughs> like, yeah. you're getting good shots. You should be making good shots. And, yeah, the Notre Dame game was exactly what you're saying, is we were getting good shots at the basket and missing a lot of them. Yeah, I just – it makes me nervous that Duke's going to run a zone and that we're not going to have an answer for it. Um, It makes me – you know, yeah. yeah, our offense has been the thing that's held us back in some of these games. And – you know, usually after we have some time to rest, we usually come back firing pretty well. So maybe, you know, some some time to game plan and all of that stuff, get some rest. Our players will come back and, and have a strong offensive performance. But you definitely need to have something more along the lines of Montana State where you're playing a little free on the offensive end. You know, Duke doesn't shouldn't scare you defensively. No. And you should be able to take advantage of some of their weaknesses there. And, you know, that's just what I'm looking for. If you're not able to do that, then it's going to be a pretty quick trip uh, to San Francisco for the Sweet 16 because um, you're going to have to generate some points against the Blue Devil team. That's one of the best at scoring. So, Dustin, that gets into our weekend predictions, man. We both had us going to the Elite Eight mm-hmm. in our original bracket, so we're still on pace for that. Now how things have unfolded, we mentioned, you know, the top four seeds are still alive. Gonzaga struggled with the, you know, both teams that they played. They kind of had to fight off that 16 seed there for a little while. Memphis was up 10 on them at halftime. And now you get, they have to play an Arkansas team. And so they kind of look like they are beatable. They're not like super invincible like we might have seen them before the tournament. So where are your expectations now? Are you still thinking Elite Eight or has your, has our chances to make a Final Four increased for you? At all? No, I still got us going Elite Eight. So I went and found this shirt from a few years ago. There you go. Because I think that's that's our realistic expectations. And just like this year that I'm wearing, we lost to the eventual champs, Villanova. Yeah. Um, and that's the same path we might be on. So we might win this Duke game. So I kind of expect – um, or have hope, high hopes for, I guess, is more of a better choice of words for that. Um, but then we might fall to the eventual champs in Gonzaga. Yeah, it's where my head's at as well. I think this run ends in the Elite Eight now. If Arkansas is able to do uh, help you out a little bit there, pull off an upset, then I think you definitely can make a Final Four. I think you definitely can beat Gonzaga. Um, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I just think the way that you're so kind of hit or miss on offense, if you have yeah. one great offensive game, it kind of makes you nervous that the next game you're not going to be able to yeah. to have that same uh, offense going. So I think ultimately it ends here in the Elite Eight. I don't really expect Arkansas to give Gonzaga that much of a game. And so, yeah, beat Duke, and and you can hold your head high losing to Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Heck, you can hold your head high if you did, you know, lose to Duke this weekend. I think the important thing for this team was that they, you know, I think before the season we thought a second, you know, a second weekend team was a possibility. And, you know, we're here, and there's nothing to hang your head on on that to make the, the Sweet 16 in year one with the new coach and a bunch of transfers. It's pretty impressive. Um, the other good thing, if we win this Duke game and meet Gonzaga, is that we played them earlier this year. Right. Not healthy. So we might not have shown all our cards that first game against them. I don't think we had TJ in that game. I think we had another – that was McCuller even healthy. 
uh, we were pretty hobbled like most of the season going into that game. So good thing is we have the scouting report on them. Don't have to do a ton of, you know, reworking that with only one day of rest, which usually gets trips up a lot of teams. Um, maybe that trips them up more because they don't have the full deck right. of cards on the table from the first time. Yeah, this seems completely different than that team there. You know, Adonis was kind of finding himself at yeah, that time. Yeah. Uh, TJ Bryson wasn't, wasn't out. Him yeah, yet, but Bryson wasn't. That, that report's out. <laughs> yeah, Bryson wasn't first team all Big 12 at that time. You know, he wasn't playing this level. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of differences about our team now than, than what they saw back in December. So, I think if there's anything to, like, give you confidence in that game, it, it's that we're a completely different team now. And, you know, they're still got all this pretty much the same guys. So ultimately there's a chance, you know, there's a chance. And that's all you want is a a chance to fight for it. And so Texas Tech will tip off with Duke late on Thursday night and with a chance to uh, do what only two other Texas Tech teams have ever done. And that's reach an elite eight. So excited for that. We'll be tuned in. We'll be firing out tweets. Um, Hopefully we don't have Jerry Pollard in this game, but you know, we got the list of officials out for this this uh, this region, and there's some interesting guys on there. There's like a, one of the guys who I saw in the comment section is like one of Coach K's. They they labeled him as Coach K's ref, so that uh, makes me a little nervous that he's going to be in our Duke game. That you know, that won't favor us very well at all. But ultimately, excited for another shot at at the Elite Eight. So we are excited and. But that will do it for basketball this week. We will catch you up on next week, and maybe we'll have a Final Four to discuss, or maybe we'll be tying a bow on the end of the 2021-2022 season. Um, But let's catch you up on what is going on on the baseball field. Baseball season is quickly approaching conference play. Uh, So Dustin's got some stuff to fill you on there, but let's quickly recap. What happened last week in Texas Tech baseball? Texas Tech, uh, when we were recording last week, put up, what, 20? How many runs did we put up on New Mexico? Like 26, 28. 28 runs on New Mexico. And then we beat them 11 uh, 11 to 5 in the second game (laughs) to complete that dominating sweep. And then you went on uh, to Iowa this weekend where one of your games was canceled because of weather. So you only played two games against the Hawkeyes and you split them winning the first one on Saturday and losing the second one on Sunday. So uh, Dustin, what have you got for us to look forward to this week on the diamond? Currently playing California Baptist at home, a little midweek game. Kind of a tune-up before conference play starts. We're currently up on them five to three in the fifth right now. So hopefully we can hold on to that and add some more runs to that. And then conference play starts this weekend. Huge matchup with number two, University of Texas. They have a lot of great players, a lot of good pitching coming back from last year. That's why they've been ranked one or two most of the season. Um, So luckily we have that conference game uh, series at home. Um, so if you're around, try to get out there, try to find some tickets. That place will be nuts this weekend. Hopefully the weather will be amazing. Um, go pregame, go tailgate, and then get out to the game and be loud and rowdy for them. 
Yeah, it kind of works out that your basketball game's Thursday, and so that way, True. you know, you can kind of have your undivided attention for the baseball team and a huge, you know, opportunity to make some noise to start off conference play and ultimately to kind of propel you towards the tournament. Man, Texas has had their fair share of problems recently. They've had a lot of problems recently. They've dropped a few midweek games to some obviously lower level you know, mid-major type teams, but a lot of injuries have tripped them up this year. So they're shuffling cards a lot more yeah. than they would, you would like to be starting conference play. So taking shots in the bullpen doesn't help either. Oh, that was hilarious, man. If you didn't see it, their catcher or backup catcher, whatever, he just transferred there this year. Uh, I think it was at Texas State, ended up taking a shot from a student fan um, in the bullpen. Obviously and recorded it, got, it. Obviously, it got filmed by the Texas State students um, and posted online. And that guy got suspended from the team. So, way to go, Texas. Keep it up. Good job, guys. And you know that we would. This would not be a true club red if we'd failed to mention that the former coach got bounced from the tournament this weekend as well. So, in year one of Beard at Texas and. Uh, Coach Adams here at Tech, you make the Sweet 16, and Ooh. Texas is going to be on their couches watching you play in the Sweet 16. So that was kind of a sweet, a little addition to winning on speaking Sunday. Of, speaking of that, um, so I posted something on Twitter about, oh, how they lost, we're still moving on, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and this is when the obviously the losers of teams are like, well, you should root for your conference to advance. No. I've never been one of those type of fans. I never want my conference opponents to win in advance. I don't care if there's money involved for the conference that gets dispersed. I could care less. That's a competitive advantage that you're getting, and you already have plenty of money, you know, team down south, and I don't need you to make it further to help you get better recruits um, in some seasons when we're trying to fight for those same recruits. You know, I could I care less if you advance and we get extra conference money. I'm never down for that. That's probably why you want to go to the SEC. Yeah, I've always been a why do I root for my enemies, man? Why should I root for my worst enemies to succeed? I don't mind like I don't hate Kansas basketball. I don't hate Iowa State basketball. Um, TCU kind of bothers me, but they've always just been not super good. So I, I haven't really cared about them. So I don't mind them winning, but. You know, I got a good kick out of Baylor losing to North yeah, Carolina. Exactly. Uh, that that was kind of fun for me, and then you know, definitely was a big Purdue fan. And Jaden Ivy is a beast, and so yep. I was glad that he sent those motherfuckers home. But yeah, that was my last two cents. I'm yeah. not a Big Twelve fan. I'm a Texas Tech fan. I'm a Texas Tech fan. I hate Big Twelve teams. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I want them to be better than than us? So yeah. And with that. <laughs> That does it for this week in Club Red. Once again, a sweet 16 edition. So make sure you're following us on Apple and Spotify. And as always, it's five stars to get into this club. Also, follow us on social media at Telgate underscore talks on Twitter. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. And guys, we will catch y'all in Club Red next week. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.